It's time for Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. And now your host, Doug Murin. Hey, excited you could be with us again today. Uh, <clears throat> if you're listening on podcast days later from the show being aired, or you're listening up to the second, what the Holy Spirit has to say right now to you over the mystery and the magic of airwaves. We're glad you're here. You know, um, I remember being a young pastor and being quite frustrated. I was, I was, had come to the Seattle area by myself, two friends and their family and my family settled in here and we had this lofty idea of starting a church. Now I've since actually started 40 churches, but at the time I, I had no idea what I was doing. And, and, uh, came into the area uh, wondering, you know, how in the world do you go about starting one of these things? And so we went on for about six months, and a little bit happened, but not not, not many people were really interested. I, I thought I was a far better speaker than most people thought I was, <laughs> but, but it didn't seem to, to help. And eventually we got going a little bit, and uh, I joined a, a group of a denomination, international organization, and they had a they had a building, <clears throat> and they had some people, and they wanted a leader for it. So, me and my little team we prayed about it, and we said, "Okay, let's let's do that." So we we got together, and we were there. Oh, I don't know, nine months, nine months, and nothing spectacular happened. I mean, it was. It was just not at all that much fun. I, if you're if you're listening, by the way, let me encourage you to have a have a lot of grace with pastors, particularly with those who go start churches, because it's it's a hard job, Ben. <laughs> everybody, I remember, you know, when you only have ten people coming to the meeting, everybody assumes they know more than you do, or there'd be more than ten people there. So it's a frustrating experience because everybody knows more than you do. And you're usually, as I was working a job, I was teaching in a, a college and uh, was was actually speaking around training and doing all kinds of things and then scurrying to get back on Sunday, tired all the time. My family was not hardly taken care of, and it was it was getting just so frustrating. And uh, so I I called my superintendent. His name was Doctor Hicks, Doctor Roy Hicks, junior, uh, senior, and. I, I I called him up and I said, I'm quitting. <laughs> I can't I can't do this. And he said, You can't quit. Now, it never crossed my mind that he really couldn't decide if I was quitting or not. <laughs> so if I wanted to quit, that was my business. But he told me I couldn't, so I thought, well, I guess I'm I guess I I can't quit. So so what do I do? And he said, Well, have you have you prayed about this? And I said, Yes, I've I've prayed about it. And he said, well, I can't get there till Wednesday. What I want you to do, said, I want you to take a pillow and a blanket, and I want you to pray, and I want you to sleep at that church building, and I don't want you to leave it until you can tell me you heard from God. So that's what I did. I, I got a blanket, and I got a pillow, and I, I prayed and studied, and I prayed and studied, and I, I, I told my family, I guess, until God says something to me, I guess I'm sleeping on that platform. And so I, I did. And you, and you know, 
it was it was amazing. After several days, several nights, and I'd come home and I'd shower up and I'd come back to the office. I I began to realize that God was not firing me. So I've I've told uh, and had experiences in my life since. You know, sometimes we quit too soon. We quit on things. I and, and I've quit on a couple things I shouldn't have. I I really have in my life, and I'm at the age now where I look back and say. Oh, you know, I should have hung in there just a bit longer, and I think that would have worked out. It's called steadfastness. And so what, what, I, what I did is I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it somehow. So Doc showed up that week, and uh, he took me out to lunch because I'd, I'd been also fasting. I, I decided I was going to get pretty serious about this. And... Uh, he said, I, I, I want you to do something. And he said, what? He says, I want you to go, to go read the story of the 10 lepers in Matthew 17. And I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go read those. And he said, those 10 lepers cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. And in Matthew 17, that whole chapter, as you read it, it's, it's a chapter, as you move into Matthew 18, that a common theme there is thanks. And Doc had me do a little study in the Bible on Thanksgiving, which is, by the way, what we celebrate as communion, we call Eucharist, literally means the cup of thanks. And he said, what I want you to do is my therapy for you before you quit. I want you to pray there all night, and I want you to give me 100, you find 100 things that you're thankful to God for every day. (laughs) 100 things. That's your assignment. You get up every morning and you thank God for 100 things. Now, that sounds pretty simple, but when you're basically geared, as we are often, to not be so thankful, you know, I, I started doing that. I started saying, well, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful I have a car. Gosh, thanks, I, I don't have to walk. Start thinking, thanks that, I, that we have microphones in the room where we meet, that people can hear me. I, I begin to, you know, thanks that I have a bed. I'm not sleeping on the floor. Thanks that I have two wonderful kids. Thank you. My parents are healthy and doing great. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. And, and I, I found that when I started thanking, it actually became several hundred things that I began realizing I could be thankful for in my life. Now, what I didn't know at the time was that there was a substantial body of research that says when you are grateful, a chemical reaction happens in your brain where you literally produce more of what is called serotonin and dopamine. Guess what happens when you complain? (laughs) It literally, it's been proven, it literally intercepts the production of those chemicals in your brain of serotonin and dopamine. And so when I would complain about, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I know there's some pastors listening, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but we notice you when you're not there. (laughs) More than when you are, probably, and they weren't. The Smiths weren't there this Sunday. They weren't. I, I, and and I began to realize about three quarters of my whole experience was dealing with what 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 wasn't happening. I was complaining. I was pessimistic. I was I was not grateful. I was not thankful. And I had so many things to be thankful for. So I began my discipline, and I still have that discipline. Every every day, I. I thank God a hundred times, and I go through times where I forget that. And since uh, last year, when I had my little heart issues, I 
rigorously have gotten back into that. I walk up and down the hills of the city I live in, a little town on the water, and I, I thank God every day. I come up with 100 to 500 things to be thankful for. And you know what? It's really hard to not smile after you get to the, about the 80th one. And you begin to realize, oh, my goodness, this is a, this is a powerful thing. And so in the story of the, the ten lepers in Matthew 17, I looked at that one day and I saw that Christ literally inviting them to say thanks. As you read this context of verse, uh, chapter 17, 18 in Matthew, that literally in this book and in Luke in, as well, there's, there is the reality that Christ lived a life of Eucharist, of the Eucharist, a life of transformed power based upon a life committed to thankfulness. I began to see that the Psalms were all geared around thanks and that our fallenness has caused us to live a life of ungratefulness that will lead to despair, which will lead to dis- to a depression, which will lead to giving up. So I've, I've got a little anecdote for you for this Thanksgiving season, this Christmas season. I, I, I've decided, you know, this, this is, I'm going to get back into my habit of saying thank you, Lord. And I invite you today. I give you a little challenge. Why don't you try it? A hundred thank yous today. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for, I thank you for this microphone I'm in front of. I thank you for the people that happen to be listening. I thank you for the radios that broadcast this thing. I, I, I thank you that we're all probably going to eat this Thanksgiving, a, some decent food. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for the freedoms we have. Not everybody has them. I'm going to express and give thanks to that because the basis of all worship, by the way, I found in my study of thanks is thankfulness. It's impossible to worship a God you're not grateful to. And so I want to just take a pause in the show now and just leave that with you to just kind of simmer there for a minute. Would you give yourselves to thanking God a hundred times a day this season? Hey, I want to pause uh, at this early point in the show and talk to you a little bit about a group of products by a group called Faith Life, a company up in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, Some great friends up there, and uh, I've been planning some projects with them. And what they're doing is they're making available their products, if you buy some of their products, they're going to give a stipend back to the radio show here. So how do you go about doing that? Well, look up Faith Life, F-A-I-T-H-L-I-F-E, and they've got programs that are just incredible. I have what I would call their platinum version, which is basically more than you could study in five lifetimes. And uh, I, I enjoy mine. And they've got uh, Hebrew studies, Greek studies, all the commentaries that have probably been written on most everything are there. Uh, I encourage you to go to Faith Life. Let them know I sent you Faith Life. Just go to your little computer, F-A-I-T-H-L-I-F-E, and put on there, caught on tape with Doug Murin that I sent you. Or you probably can go to my Facebook, which is simply Doug Murin, and uh, you'll see spots on there every once in a while. Faith Life products are... uh, easy to use. You just download them into your computer and you look up a verse and you can learn anything you want to know. I, I really, it's, it, they ought to be illegal for preachers to own those because they're never going to work again. So uh, anyway, hey, I've got uh, some, some good news. I've been uh, 
released and encouraged that I can just about take on anything I feel I can. So I'm starting to do this. I'm going to be doing some schools of evangelism in some churches, and I'm open to scheduling them, beginning to do that now. Well, what does that entail? Well, it can entail either a Wednesday, Thursday night, or an all-day Saturday session. I can get with a group in your church. Usually in every church, I've found that about 10 to 15% of that church easily does evangelism, but we're nearly never trained. So years ago, I developed a an extensive course that was put out by Fuller Church Growth Ministries and was presented in a number of seminaries. Actually, actually, I think I presented it to like 30, 40, 50,000 people at least, maybe more. Uh, prob- prob- probably way more than that. And in Australia, Europe, United States, and everywhere I presented this material, Schools of Evangelism, How to Share Your Faith, churches begin to grow by conversion growth. Because the, the truth is, evangelism is rarely happening out in our society right now. Right now. And this week, I, I saw some, some startling data that uh, uh, really concerned me as to how how little the church is really growing right now. We have some highlights out there that are at least interesting. I don't know if you've been watching the instance with Kanye West. Uh, I'm an optimist, so I cheer him on. I say, yeah, that's great, man. Go for it. And uh, I've got a lot of friends who are critical. He's probably not good enough to be doing it, but I don't know. They haven't looked at themselves lately, I don't think, either. But uh, I, I, I love evangelism, but I find that a lot of churches lose touch with how it works, how simply it works. And I'm an evangelist. I, I pastored for quite a while, but I, I don't think I was that great a pastor. I, I'm, I'm a really good evangelist. I, I like to, uh, you know, share Christ with people, and God just kind of, you know, walks me into doors. I've, I've, I've had this happen to me numerous times. One, one time I was walking down First Avenue, and this guy walked up to me right on the street and, and, and said, Are you a Christian? And I said, Yeah. And he was kind of a rough-looking guy. And I said, uh, why, you want to be one? And he said, yes, can you help me? And I led him to Christ, and that week got him in a church, made sure he got a ride to church. And uh, that's happened to me two or three times. When you're an evangelist, that kind of stuff just happens. And I find that churches today have, have left behind the simple task of knowing how to share your faith with somebody. And I, w- I want to do that. So I have an incredible seminar that's probably soon to be released on, on a video course uh, form uh, online through a, through a company. But in the meantime, uh, I'm, I'm available to present that at your church where I can, I can take, I don't care if it's 10 people or 500 people, I can show you how to open doors with people's hearts and explain the gospel in a way that people will most often understand. Because I find the opportunities are always there. We just don't always know, one, how to spot them. Two, we don't know how to get the conversation started. And three, we don't know what to do when they get interested. Uh, The first time I shared Christ, I went into a park, and there were kids smoking pot and everything all around. And I I stood up next to a cannon and said, I want to talk to you guys about something. (laughs) And they all stopped and looked at me, and I said... I met Christ a little while ago, and I think you really ought to give him a give him a look because uh, I I I think he's your savior. And uh, about a hundred and plus kids, it ended up being actually I remember the number now exactly ninety six uh, received Christ. They actually followed me to what was a uh, like a Youth for Christ house that was near this park. And they jammed everywhere into this house, and I had to have somebody else show me how to do it. I didn't know how you do this. And and we had actually 
almost 100 kids received Christ just because somebody, you know, started talking about Jesus. I've found over the years that not everybody's that good at it. Uh, and don't give yourself an easy out. Just say, well, I'm not good at it. Because the, the, the truth is, there are certain people gifted at it. In every church, I'm convinced it's between 10 and 15% of the people are good at it. And I like to get to that group of people and give you some skill sets and all that. So if you're interested in that, the Murin Group, which hosts the show, has some seminars we'll put on your church. Uh, I I don't even know what to charge it, so we'll have to discuss that when you call me. you got you got to at least pay my gas to get there. So, uh, uh, But if, if you'd be interested, I feel called to do that these next few uh, years. So if you want to find out more about the seminars and learning, just go to DougMurinRadio.com. And in there, you can leave a message for me, and I promise you, I will get back to you uh, as soon as I can uh, on handling that. Again, that website is DougMurinRadio.com. Thank you. And now back to more Caught on Tape with Doug Murin. One of my favorite passages on this whole topic of thankfulness is in Luke 17, uh, verses 11 to 19. Simply put, it goes like this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and he was going into a village, and ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. I I love that phrase, as they went, they were cleansed. You know, most things God does in your and my life requires us to start some motion. I don't know if you've experienced that or realized it, but usually he asks us to make some motion that is kind of a faith action. It's as though it's already occurred. They're going to the priests to show they've been cleansed. Now, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was, I like this, he was a Samaritan. Now, basically, the suggestion might be that the rest of the other nine lepers of the ten were Jewish. And the point of him being a Samaritan is supposed to be ironic here because the Samaritans weren't supposed to be connected to God like a Jew. They were they were sort of half-breeds. They were half there. They were not authenticated fully as uh, persons that God was interested in. The one person who was was grateful was the one who really had no claim to what they just had experienced. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to praise God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, uh, in the Greek text, and we won't get really technical, but the the idea was, yes, they all had been physically healed, but the power of the Greek language here when Jesus said, your faith has made you well, is probably better translated, as many translations do, as whole. Meaning he's not only physically healed, he's completely healed. Thankfulness had made him completely whole. Now, I've pondered this a great deal in my life, and I've realized that the greatest moments in my life have honestly fallen on the heels of my learning this concept of being thankful, of saying thankful, of being grateful, 
of expressing and talking about my thanks. Now, I mentioned at the start of the show my friend Dr. Hicks, who said, you know, what you want to do is you want to uh, say 100 thank yous. And I, I did that. I started saying 100 thank yous, and I began to thank God for all the stuff we needed. We were in trouble. I One of the things I, I was praying for and I began thanking him for was we needed a keyboardist. We didn't have a piano player. We had, oh, I chunked around on my guitar, and we had some people, and, and it was just not that great at all. It wasn't good at all. And we had already had needed some terrible work done on our, our building, and uh, we needed to add on some room for the kids. We needed to do a bunch of stuff. We had no money, let alone not a lot of people. We didn't know what we were going to do, and we had no parking. And our neighbor would not sell us a strip of land that I had arranged to be able to buy. Our denomination agreed that if I could get him to sell it, they, they thought it was worth enough money. They would want to put some money into it. I couldn't get any of those things moving. And so I, I, I took Doc's advice, and I began thanking him. I thanked him for every one of those. And I know this can sound gimmicky, but it's really not. I began thanking him and thanking him and thanking him and thanking him and thanking him. And I got more and more in into what we were doing, I began to see it happening. I began to say, thank you, Father, that this is occurring. I showed up for work one day, and this this is literally what happened. My secretary buzzed me and said, there's a, a young African-American woman here, and she says that she would like to be our keyboardist. And so I said, are you kidding me? And we were praying for a good, decent keyboard. So I went, I went scurry to the receptionist area where we had our volunteer secretary and there was my friend aletha who became one of my best friends in my life and she was a graduate of the california conservatory of music and she came and said i drove by she actually was seven day events she said i drove by and i thought i could probably pay, play piano here or keyboards on sundays and i said well either one we've got one we have no one to play them so i had a, I had a secretary i mean i had a pianist and our secretary said also Leroy, who was our neighbor, Leroy asked if you could come visit him today. And I said, sure, I'll go, I'll go visit Leroy. Well, Leroy had basically told me last time I talked to him that we could never park on his property, which basically meant we were never going to have our, anybody in our building because we just didn't have any parking. For some reason, I let him put this building up with the, no parking around it. So I went over and knocked on Leroy's door. And Leroy said, well, it's your lucky day. <laughs> I said, lucky day, why? He said, because I'm moving. <laughs> He said, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you buy my property on any terms you can handle, because I like you. And I said, You're kidding me. And he we got a two acre strip right behind our building and we were able to work it out. So it took us like two or three years to pay it off. And we had a little office building his house then and we were we we one of the guys in the church had a bulldozer and came in and we got permits, we layered it, brought rocks in. And within a month, we had parking. So we had a, a parking, we had a, a pianist, and now we needed to add on to the building, and we had to get it up to code. It was in trouble, okay? That very next Sunday, my good friend Leroy showed up for church for the first time, and he walked up to me, and he said, hey, I'm a builder, and I understand you want to try to bring this place up to code and expand it. And I said, yes. He said, I'll do it, and I'll pay for it. So I learned... Gosh, you can sit around and complain about all the things you want, but there's something happens when you turn to giving thanks that releases faith in your heart. And I think God likes to act when we precede what we need with thanks that we've received it. 
So thanks for listening to the show today, and consider that as you enter into this Thanksgiving season, you could be creating some realities that are pretty wonderful for yourself if you begin thinking for them before they even occur. God bless you, and I'm signing off. This is Doug Muir, and hope to hear from you next week. And another way to support the Caught on Tape broadcast, when you purchase Logos Bible software products, a portion of those proceeds will benefit this radio program. Just go to Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. That's Logos.com slash Caught on Tape. Caught on Tape with Doug Murin is a listener and friend-supported program. Your help with the show and expanding the evangelism events of Doug Murin is appreciated. You can write Doug Murin, Caught on Tape, at 1806 Fifth Street, Wenatchee, Washington, 98801. Or online at DougMurinRadio.com.